Welcome back to another episode of uh, Scott Shower. This is episode 108. I am Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right. Uh, before we get started here, once again, thank you to all of our new subscribers on Rumble and YouTube and all of our audio platforms. We do greatly appreciate that. And we hope that you are enjoying our content. If you do like our content, please like, share, and subscribe. And leave some comments down below uh, so, so that way we can... Uh, respond back to you or take your feedback and uh, and utilize it um i do believe we have a pretty good uh lineup here this evening uh we have bladnox 11 from the lowlands lowlands and then we have our get it together slash shout outs and then our restaurant review which was uh sahara mediterranean grill i think yeah I'm not sure. something like sahara that mediterranean food. <laughs> 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 and then our smarter challenge being john wick for movie review scotch The first thing I do want to say, I do think it's a fairly attractive box, a little bit different, less, uh, to me, less traditional shape and size. Man, feel this damn thing. It's like a damn rock. It's like, feels, there's a lot of glass or something heavy in here. So with this, we have the Bladnach, 11-year, non-chill filtered, natural colored lowland single malt scotch whiskey this is their limited annual release from 2021 and it is uh pretty intriguing to say the least so with the bladnock and with all the lowland scotches really um, we've had some interesting flavor profiles some things very uh different than the highlands or the islands of jura sky or isla um, with the lowlands a lot of times the scotches have not been as bold or flavorful however we've also had a couple surprises with that and man uh, this is bladnock is the world's oldest privately owned scotch whiskey distillery still in flow uh, noah found some pretty good facts for us here uh man the uh prior owner Prodigious passion for Scotch whiskey, together with a strong desire to restore the heart and soul of the local community. Um, that led him to purchase Scotland's 200 plus year old Bladnock distillery in 2015. A couple key points their water source is the Bladnock River, and malts are from British growers uh, for the single malt lowland scotch whiskey uh they are also located as being the most southerly uh distillery in the scot in scotland uh, from 1817 they do have a very rich history uh, so for nearly a century did not change ownership the mcclellan family grew and modernized the distillery um and then uh you know 
1905 and then 1966 over 80 years Bladnock Distillery changed hands several times and continued to produce fine lowland whiskies in 1956 Bladnock Limited was created and the stills which had fallen silent during the war were recommissioned the still house was expanded to four stills in 1966 and Ian Gillen worked the stills at the time and used his new cinefilm camera to capture these scenes of the life of the Bladnock distillery. In uh, 1983, more recently, the distillery was owned by Arthur Bell and Sons, which would later become part of the Guinness and United distilleries. Uh, between 83 and 93, a period during which the brand's distribution was increased and a visitor center was established. From 93 on, the distillery has been privately owned uh, by Raymond and Colin Armstrong. However, in 2017, Australian entrepreneur David Pryor, uh, who had acquired it, uh, sold the distillery um, to Ian McMillan, um, and who resumed production and celebrated 203 years um, in, in distilling and Man, it is one of the oldest and it is one of the largest privately hold distilleries on this great big planet of ours. Yeah, so the tours that you mentioned, uh, they have what's called the classic uh, tour and taste. This is where you get to discover how Vladnock uh, and pure scotch whiskeys are crafted firsthand with the tour uh, through the key site of 203-year-old uh, distillery. Uh, and then they have the 1817 tour uh, for a more in-depth look through their 205-year-old Black Knock Distillery, and then join for a knowledgeable team for a two-hour tour and tasting throughout the throughout the estate. Um, the current, I, did you mention this? I think you said the. Did you mention the current uh, um, distiller is uh, Doctor Nick Savage? I didn't mention that name. No, the master <laughs> distiller. It's a cool name though it is kind of a cool name <laughs> nick savage i wonder if he says Wah! or whatever you know kind of like uh randy marshman savage step into a slim gym yeah <laughs> <laughs> step into a black dog snap <laughs> pop Oh, oh, yeah yeah right. is that guy still alive or did the roids finally kill him i think he's still alive damn lucky man <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, so with this a Blad Knock 11-year single malt scotch whiskey, um, it is aged in bourbon whiskey barrels, and it is a 46.7 ABV, so if not quite there, pretty darn close to cask strength. Uh, the box is a nice, mature, deep brown almost black color with the copperish gold on the man on the packaging is pretty sharp looking the box leads to the bottle a rectangular bottle great big top pretty fancy looking and i believe that might actually be wood that's what she said <laughs> it's gonna be a good night <laughs> uh, with this man Let's dig in. Mm. 
It's a good wood top. That it, that it is. You got to like when they give it a little extra detail for the packaging and the presentation. All right. Well, on to our tasting notes, in, uh, which is our warp speed time. So cheers. Cheers. For this lowland, it actually doesn't disappoint. I, I'm really impressed. I was really actually impressed uh, the last time we tried it with the, I think it was the Sam Sarah is what it was called. That's also uh, a special release. And uh, this one doesn't disappoint either. Uh, the color, which uh, I kind of split up my glasses here, but I put it as like a, a light gold color. I really do like the coloring in there. You don't see uh, a bunch of like uh, um, impurities really in it. Um, I think it seems like it's pretty nice. Um, has like a nice clear view to it. Uh, I gave it a, even though, cause I have a little bit more, uh, like I have a harder time giving a light colored sky to a higher number. Uh, so I did give it like a, like a two, on, two out of five points on the color, uh, the packaging. I love the packaging. I think it's great. Uh, the box is nice and looks kind of, it looks very classy. I, I could deal with like a little bit less wording on there. Um, I, I guess I just don't like too many words and stuff like that, but I like the kind of like the shiny brassy gold color looking thing on there, <laughs> how the 11 and the, like the big B is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think the box is nice, but really for me, the win is the bottling itself. The bottle reminds me of like something that you could purchase as a decanter. So once you finish this scotch, you already have yourself a decanter with a nice wooden top and a cork in there. Um, and I think that's a win. So for me, I gave the packaging a four out of five and the, the weight of the glass. That's just like, that's to me is solid. Uh, you know, you feel like some, like some bottles and it just seems like, geez, I don't even know how I made it here from Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I made it for my car. <laughs> but this one here, you're like, man, I don't know what's gonna destroy this one. It's gonna take a little bit of uh take a little bit of effort to break this glass. Shazam. <laughs> Shazam. Right? No. <laughs> that was like a couple weeks ago. Oh wait, we didn't see that movie yet. Oh, I have. I've seen it three. I've seen Shazam, the new one, uh three times now. Jesus. I love the movie. I think it's hilarious. That's but in any case, um on to the aroma. Um, I didn't get like a ton of like different nuances, uh, which I would probably give like a higher pointage for. Um, so I didn't find it like super duper complex, but I found it simple and pleasing and inviting. I got basically like notes of honey, uh, and a lot of floral, but, uh, between the honey and the floral, there seemed like there's some other kind of sweetness that was involved. I couldn't really pinpoint it. And my best guess was butterscotch. And to me, it just seemed like it was a nice, simple aroma that was very inviting. And it had a nice, um, a, a nice hint of sweetness to it, to where it just made you want to, uh, explore this scotch and try it out. So with the aroma, I gave it a 25 out of 30 just because it was the simplicity still uh, impressed me um, by it. But I didn't give it like the upper tier type of points I would, would normally give like some with some of the other ones that we did like the past few weeks. Now, when it comes to the palate, 
Here I, I get like honeysuckle, uh, starting off with some honeysuckle uh, with some floral notes and hints of oak. Once again, not a whole lot of complexity to me on the palate, um, but near the finish, this is where I started getting, uh, right when it goes into the hints of oak, now I started getting like a... And going into my finish, ending like the mid palette, going into the back palette and the finish. This is where the peppercorn and cinnamon starts to come into play. And it starts to like, like it, it's nice and mellow from the front palette, the middle palette. You get the nice sweetness and, and the floral notes. And then all of a sudden, the, the, like as it's finishing and doing the mid palette, going, going into the finish, this is where I start getting the, like I said, that, that spiciness of the peppercorn and the cinnamon. And the cinnamon is a nice, long uh, finish. Like the, the cinnamon just draws out. But here at the very end, when it draws out, it uh, that, that spiciness does dissipate. And then you get a nice little surprise of a... Uh, of slight sweetness from a cooked apple. And I kind of, and as you and I were talking and the kind of cooked apple I'm talking about, I was like, when you bite into like a nice, like a apple pie or whatever, um, if you get like a piece of apple pie where it's not like all gooey and has all like all that gooey sweetness stuff over it, but it's just like that nice cooked apple, uh, with just like a, some hints of cinnamon. That's the kind of like uh, cooked apple I'm kind of thinking of here. And I love it. I think it's great. Um, so the finish, this actually got a little bit higher points of 26. The palette, I gave it 25. So my grand total was 85 points. So four for packaging, two for color, 25 for aroma, 25 for palette, 26 uh, for finish. Would I take this a black tie affair? Probably not. And it's not because I don't like the packaging. I think the packaging in the bottle screams black tie affair. However, the uh, the scotch itself, to me, is not complex enough to where I would want to take it to a black tie affair. I, I, I would almost feel like I'm being a poser with that. Uh, <laughs> I, a poser. <laughs> um, but um, when I take it to a... Uh, to a the poker game, yeah, I get. I take it to a poker game. Would I share it with friends? Yeah. Would I take it to a housewarming party? Yeah. Uh, to me, just a black tie affair. Even though I think the bottling and the packaging would would say yes, I could do that. I just don't think the scotch is like what I would expect for a black tie affair event. Um, do I think you should purchase it? I do. I think it's something that you should you could have on your shelf and enjoy. Um, every periodically. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the price point is, but I'm sure Jesse will let us know. This bad boy was uh, on sale when we got it for $59.99, regularly $64, and that's here at Bevy's in Parker, Colorado. Uh, so regularly right on that $64 mark. And for me, also a pleasant experience with this scotch. Man, um, where to start? Well, obviously packaging, right? Presentation. I also gave it a four. Um, there are some pieces where I want more, but at the same time, it is well done and it is presentable. It looks sharp on a shelf. Um, the one thing that's really that stands out to me, both good and bad, is it looks very much not scottish to me it very much so looks like it would be uh, an 
Asian or an, a Scotch from another area of the world, another region, um, just because of the way that they did their coloring, the bottling, the packaging, the emphasis, the larger stopper on the top, all fantastic, all great. Uh, but it uh, does make me, it does leave me looking at it thinking that's not really scotch as I walk by the first time. It's just whiskey. Uh, so for presentation for myself, I'm a little bit different with Noah and his feelings on the color. I do like a deeper color, but I also like a bright and vibrant color. And so with this one, and I believe Bladnock themselves call this a lemon gold. That's exactly what it is. It is this gold color that is so clean and crisp. It is a lemon gold color. Um, I enjoy that as well. So for me, the color, since it's natural as well, a four. So we got four for presentation, four for color on the nose. Oh, on the nose, it is a delicately floral. That is, you know, it's funny to say very well pronounced because that would be opposite of delicate, but it is very well pronounced, delicately floral on the front, followed by a citrus sweetness that is honey and a little hint of that summertime grass, the front lawn, the field. Uh, that's that little finish on the nose. Uh, the nose, as far as the big three, got the lowest of my scores at a 25. The palette is more involved, but I agree with what you said. One of the things that takes this from, or takes the scotch from where this one ultimately rates for me to that next level is that layered complexity with different feelings, sensations, flavors, almost a, a, a bigger ride in the mouth, so to speak. So it is creamy smooth, honey with a hint of vanilla and cinnamon at the front. Uh, that's where the pepper and it balances it out in this weird, sweet way, pepper and honeydew. So a melon flavor, the floral comes back around, and then the apple. You mentioned the apple. So for me, the apple's right up front. It goes away, and then it comes back in the middle, and it transitions to this wood spice. So that's the point along the palate where it's the driest on uh, my tongue and then it goes back to a sweet finish it is a refreshing almost crisp and clean cinnamon refreshment um, where all of a sudden the flavor disappears for a moment and then that apple that uh, carnival candied apple just the apple none of the extra uh, additions to it comes out and leaves it truly refreshing one of the things they say uh, about this is it's perfect for that cold day where you're sitting back and you're enjoying a fire and i think they are absolutely right but for me one experience i would have that would be more impactful for me with this scotch would be while reading i think this is a perfect scotch leaving it crisp not wanting while i was reading some hemingway or 
Man, maybe I'm, I'm doing some uh, Fitzgerald and some Gatsby. This is a great scotch to sip slowly while reading uh, because it makes its presence known, but it's not overwhelming, but it's still clean and crisp and you're not constantly having to drink it. So altogether, the palate was a 26 for me. The finish a 27, grand total of an 86. And again, um, it's, it is a clean, crisp, refreshing scotch. With that, would I take it to a black tie event? Man, that's a tough one because at a black tie event, it's not about everyone else. It's about me representing myself. So I'm probably taking a Lagavulin, an Obin, or a the Macallan to that event more than this. But I agree with you 100%. If they will enjoy a good scotch and not a $30 bottle, but a $65 bottle normally, then this is a great scotch to go to a, par a poker night uh, because it's not overbearing. It's not burdensome. Um, it is clean so i enjoyed it it's a it's one of my favorites from the lowlands much like its sister blad knock before well it is it's a good one it's a great it's a great drink um 46 you said um this one was 59 regularly 65 46.7 abv okay and because of math i can't count it's actually i scored it in 82 <laughs> <laughs> I was doing, I was like thinking about it. I was like, uh, it could be easy in 85. There's a couple of points that you could give it here. Um, so, uh, since I said 85 in my poor uh, math, I'll stick with an 85 and give it some extra points in the color. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's time for our shout outs. Um, do you have any shout outs this week? Oh, uh, I do. One going out to Aiden for wrapping up his driving hours, about to go for his driving test. Hopefully the win driving till midnight to get those nighttime hours will translate to a license for him very soon. But nonetheless, proud of him for having what I like to call one of those non-giving up moments or a John Wick moment in life. I have a shout out as well. Uh, it's going to go out to your brother's barbecue off of Arapaho and I-25. Um, I went there a few, I don't know, probably about a month, maybe a month and a half ago. And they had started like a, uh, one of those uh, loyalty card things or whatever. So I filled out a piece of paper there. But from the time I went there last time, I filled out that piece of paper. They they have upgraded themselves as actually going automated and putting onto like a onto an app and stuff. So when I try to give them my phone number, the the lady cashier, she's like, uh, I can't find your information anywhere. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, why well, did I filled out one of those pieces of paper thing? And then she's like, oh, that's because we just upgraded, so that's why it's not in our system. So I'll give you a free meal. Next time, call me. <laughs> so I was like, sweet. So I got like, so she didn't have to do that, but she acted like I had enough points in order to get a free meal. So um, I just wanted to thank her and Brothers Barbecue for being really cool about the whole loyalty program and uh, and doing that. So, um, you know, it doesn't cost a whole lot for a company to show a great customer service. I was more than willing to pay for it, uh, but she insisted uh, saying like, you know, um, since that whole switchover happened and I didn't know about it, that they'll 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 do that for me. So I thought that was really kind of them, and I just want to say I appreciate it and thank you and shout out to you guys. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, um, any get it togethers? Uh just the uh, you know 
continued realization of our banking system woes. So they really do need to get their checks and balances in check. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We could probably talk about that forever. That's why I cut it off there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I will uh, give my get together to moviegoers. So a couple weeks ago, you brought this up, how you went to go see Creed and people trashed the movie theater. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, well, I hadn't seen that because the last couple times I went to movies, I had gotten lucky. There was, like, only, like, maybe a handful of people in there, and everyone picked up their trash anyways. But this weekend, going to see John Wick, people were terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. They like uh, there's trash all all over the place, popcorn dumped in like in the hallways, uh, and it was it was awful. It really was. It's like, uh, and not only that, people were in the middle of the movie, had their cell phones on. Uh, people are talking during the movie. I think a lot of people lost uh, movie etiquette uh, after COVID, and it's I think it's a real shame. I think these people need to get their act together. If you're gonna go see a movie in a theater. Yes, you're going there for your, inter- you know, for the entertainment and for the experience, but you're also there with a bunch of other people who are there for the same reasons, and you shouldn't really uh, spoil that experience for other people by leaving the uh, theater trashed or having your cell phone on during the movie or chatting with your neighbor throughout the whole movie. Uh, I think that that's uh, that shows uh, poor etiquette. I agree 100%. I don't know where it's coming from either. I also had a bad movie-going experience with the cleanliness when I went to go see John Wick 4 with my kiddos. And at the last few times I went, I really thought it was a younger generation. So I was like, okay, is this the millennials or Gen Z that are feeling like they're entitled to leave this place? A literal dump with popcorn everywhere, their trash, their cups, as if they have no responsibility to clean it up and leave it in a great shape as the other. However, when I went to John Week 4 with Mila and Aiden this past weekend, I was sitting next to a, an older gentleman, probably 65, 67, and when I first sat, was getting ready to sit down, he had his trash already all over my seat, and I could tell it was his because he had the bottom of his bag of food, and the top was what was in my seat, and I looked at it, and I looked at him, and I'm like, Really? Like, you're just going to throw your trash in my seat? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. He picks it up. Later on, though, when he left the movie, did not stay for the end credits. So I hope you missed out because there is an end scene. And uh, with that, though, he left his drink on his seat. He left his M&M's bag on his seat. He left popcorn all over the floor in front of him. And, it, it, you know, it's not even about whether or not you're paying for that. Did you tip the guys 10 bucks to clean up after you? If so, good. They can do that. But you're ruining the other viewers experience and when i go and i see that and i have to step on that and i don't it's not that i i want to i there's so much popcorn on the floor in front of this guy i couldn't avoid it it was disgusting his etiquette and i i think that's the good word the true word the real word is he had zero movie going etiquette and it's saddening it's it's really tough This week's restaurant was the Sahara or Sahara Mediterranean <laughs> restaurant right there off of Parker Road by Dayton Street. All right. So when you, when you uh, first pull up 
it would probably be pretty easy to miss because it's in a strip mall with a bunch of other like businesses. Although there are some other restaurants in and in and around that area and that strip mall. Um, when you first walk into the actual restaurant, it does have some nice decor. I mean, it has like a very Mediterranean feel to it. Some, uh, you see some like, um, genie lamps. I don't know. I don't know what you call them. I call them genie lamps. Uh, and some, some bosses, you know, you got some bosses there and, uh, you got like, uh, depending on what table you sit at, I think they have like little maps or information about the region and, uh, the music, uh, I think kind of sets the mood as well. Like the music that they're playing there. I'm not really sure if it's Moroccan music or, or Mediterranean music, but it was, it was decent music and, uh, their, their menu was actually fairly decent as well. We went on a day where a Monday, like like we normally would go, but there was like nobody in this restaurant. She's a Travis day, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't. You know, it, it seemed really weird that there was nobody there, but uh, you know, it made for uh, the uh, the wait staff to wait on us fairly quickly without having to worry about anything. And um, they were very attentive. They they didn't you know they didn't come by too often, and they didn't you know they I think they came by the right amount of times. Um. The food that I got was the uh, kebabs, uh, which there was a shrimp kebab, a steak kebab, and a chicken kebab with some saffron rice. And uh, the, was it called tiki sauce, I think, or something like that? I thought it was excellent. I love the saffron rice. Uh, the one thing, I, the one issue I have with the saffron rice, though, is that there was definitely a couple of clumps where it was just a little bit too dry. But for the most part, it had great flavor. I really think the saffron rice uh, was a total win. And I think if maybe if we went there like on a normal day, probably when they have like more business going through, the rice probably may, probably would have been more moist because they probably would have gone through a little bit quicker and had to make it a little bit more often and stuff like that. Um, but I, I thought the meal was great. I really enjoyed my meal. Um, I did uh, have one beer with dinner, which was uh, an Indian beer called Taj uh, Taj Mahal. I, I really like it. I think it's a great lager. And um, we had a uh, appetizer, uh, Baba Ganoush, uh, or Baba 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 yeah, yeah. But it does like I don't know what it's called, but it's <laughs> what it did to the inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, for dessert, I uh, had a, a walnut baklava, and that was actually really nice as well. Um, the price point of this uh, this dinner, um, I'd say just uh, it's going to be slight. If you get appetizer and dessert, it'll probably be a little bit more than what you expect. Um, uh, you're looking probably right around the upper 40s, a $50 range. If you just get the entree with maybe like uh, – like a soda or water, you're probably looking at like right around twenty dollar range. Um, the meal itself, uh, this is a sit down restaurant, so this is a medium tier. I wouldn't really say this is upper tier. What, what would you say, medium or upper? It's got to be medium because it's definitely not high end, but it's about as close as you're going to get without being high end. Okay, so we're like on the upper tier, the medium tier. Yeah, upper medium. Upper medium. So, okay, so we're in the upper medium tier here. Um, the food, I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to give it an eight. I really enjoyed the food. Uh, the service, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of people there, so I'm going to give the service a nine. The, the service was good. Um, 
the uh, at the atmosphere of the place or the decor. I liked it. I'm gonna give that like an eight. So I'm gonna give it a total overall eight point five. Would I take a first date there? I think it's first date worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, uh, would I go there to meet some friends? Probably not. Um, I probably would go next door. I think there's like a like a sports, sports group. Yeah, <laughs> sports book, which is a sports bar right next door. So <laughs> I, I probably would go right over there to go hang out with some friends uh, to do that and drink some beers from uh, the draft and uh, eat some like nachos or whatever tachos. Tachos. Um, but uh, so yeah, I probably wouldn't meet friends there unless it's like a, a special occasion, like they're doing like a birthday or an anniversary or something like that. Um, but mostly, yeah, date. Yes, uh, if I want like uh, something out of the norm, sure, I do that too. Um, but yeah, overall, I give it an eight point five. I think it's a, a worthy uh, experience. So if you're in in or around the area of I twenty five in uh, Arapo or just slightly, I guess. Uh, East of there, which is where you find Dayton. I uh, give the place a try. Let them know that Scotch Hour recommended it, or Noah from Scotch Hour recommended it. I'm not <laughs> sure what Jesse's going to say yet, so I don't want to put words in his mouth. So <laughs> uh, I'll pass it along to you. All right. So much like Noah, I did start off with a Taj Mahal great lager. It really was a great lager, and the whole time on our way over, the one thing I wanted was a great cold beer and the waitress did bring out a nice frosty glass to the point where i poured the beer into the glass and when i was drinking it the froth at the top had frozen and was icy and it was perfect so they definitely uh finished well with the start uh, as you mentioned we had the baba ganoi um so what this is is a roasted and smoked eggplant basically turned into a paste with with some olive oil, some garlic, some lemon. It was very good. Um, they had some uh, bread to go with it and, uh, you know, pita. And with that, it was enjoyable. Now, what I will say is I probably over ate. I don't know that I needed that. And then also having the same Baba Yaga <laughs> um, on my uh, dinner. So I had the Sahara plate or Sahara. So falafala, uh, hummus, the Baba Ganoi, um, the flatbread, hero meat chicken, beef. It was all actually delicious and i can't say that after i had that beer i was starving anymore because the beer satiated me to another level but it all tasted good uh except for you know i don't know about is it the falafel is that what they call that the little i don't i'm just not a huge falafel guy I don't know what it's just not my thing that's not my shtick i don't get falafels either uh, so but uh much like Noah, I also did overeat and have some baklava. I had the pistachio baklava. Um, Price-wise, this is the only thing that hold, held this place back because um, value, ultimately, it was a 7 to an 8. Um, again, it was kind of surprising. I wasn't expecting the total to get that high that quickly. At the same time, the atmosphere was an 8. 
It was a good atmosphere. The service was a solid eight. The only reason they didn't get a nine with the service for me is because once we had paid the tab, I still had a full beer to drink. Well, not really two thirds of a beer to drink, but the lady was like gone. She had <laughs> received her cash and her tip and the service was over, literally transaction completed. And I really prefer it when they just come back around one more time because you never know if someone might want some extra water. Hey man, it's been a hot day can i have some water whatever it may be the food itself was absolutely a nine there was nothing wrong with any of it so with that it is one of those things to you know would you take a date there man if i'm in that neighborhood and i am feeling like some mediterranean food um you know some of that food that almost has that greek influence if you will yeah it's a fun place it's it's a good place to go there um get a drink some food try not to overeat they are fair size plates um so the value being the seven to eight the atmosphere absolutely an eight the service an eight the food a nine overall it gets an eight for from me and uh i agree with the one thing you would say and you know if i'm going to get a meal with a friend 99 out of 100 times i'm going couple doors down much like yourself to the sports book for uh, a better beer selection and ultimately i'm gonna get some tachos or just an appetizer and not overeat this week's smarter challenge we have seen one two three and now john wick four or as you know you know it's got its own like name amongst the community now uh jw4 jw4 i'm, I'm going with it because it's much like jw1 <laughs> <laughs> So JW4, we went and saw in theaters and, uh, you know, really to assess this, but more so as a standalone. This isn't uh, really trying to compare it to the other movies, but you can't not bring up the other movies when you talk about John Wick 4 because of what experience you've had will absolutely impact the experience that John Wick chapter four delivers well i think you do have to watch the first three to kind of watch four it's not totally standalone because without watching the first three one you don't know why he's in there like in the like in the sewers pounding a wall at the beginning uh two you, you don't really have a full understanding of what the high table low uh and under the table stuff is and under the table and uh you also don't know uh like who the elder was and like why it was important, like, you know, why it was such a big deal that he killed the elder. So I think you kind of like, could you survive without watching the first three? Sure. But I think to pick up on some of those other nuances, I think you kind of have to watch the first three. I don't know that you have the full experience if you don't watch the other three, but really my focus here is as we review it, it's not, and this is a difficult one for me in particular, it's not to, assess it simply based on the other three it's not to say okay so is this a good volume four in this series because if you take that out it does have a different feeling yeah 
All right, so what are your general thoughts? John Wick, Chapter 4, did it start the way you expected it to? Did it flow the way you expected it to? And did it end the way you expected it to? Okay, so it didn't (laughs) quite start the way I expected it to. Um, Because I think if you, and here, this is where I'm probably different from you because I'm not looking at it purely as as a standalone. I think uh, when you see from John Wick 1 to John Wick 2, he's still trying to get his car back and stuff like that. And then so it kind of picks up right away right there. From John Wick 2 to John Wick 3, he just finally got done doing whatever and then, uh, you know, killing the the uh, – in John Wick 2, he kills like the – The head uh, of the Italian the table. head of the Italian table. Yep. And then John – and then – then he gets excommunicado, and then from there he has to go try to you know get his get his. So it's almost like it picks up right away. And then the problem with three going into four, and I guess I can understand why you don't really see like why it didn't start like where I would have wanted it to start because when it goes from three to four, he falls off the roof and he's pretty much banged up and dead. He's not. <laughs> he's, he's like almost on his deathbed, and so I think I would have liked to see more of like. And maybe this because this is like maybe more of the Rocky and Creed type of like feel I would like to see. But I would have liked to see him like do a little bit more training than just pounding a wall. Yeah, bloody knuckles. And have a little bit more of an explanation about that room that he's in and uh, training because like it looks kind of cool. Like they light up this like big like I I can't tell if it it wasn't like quite an octagon, but it wasn't a triangle either. But the way they lit up the room and stuff like that, it's kind of like, huh, I wonder, like, I wish we could see a little bit more of a a background to like what was going on with that room and that training area. And so I wish it would have just started a little bit earlier than that part where they started off at, but it wasn't a bad starting point. I just kind of wish it would have a little bit more of a background right there. Our backstory, I should say. Uh, the flow. I think the flow is great. It's what I expected from a John Wick movie. I think it was great. I liked it. Um, I like how one of the biggest things I really enjoyed is that I've spent some time in Europe. So I've been to Paris. I've been to uh, Berlin and seen the, some of the sites that they show there. Anytime I see a movie that uh, shows like uh, places where I've been, uh, it just adds like an extra flair to the movie, and I really enjoy. It. Like I have been to the Brandenburg uh, Gate, I've been to the Arc de Triomphe, um, I've been to the Eiffel Tower. Uh, so you know, like all these like all these big places, you know, I've seen them in in, in, in real life, and just kind of like it just adds like a whole new feature to to these uh, to these movies. It makes it more fun, uh, at least for me, anyways. And that aspect, the one part that I thought was kind of reminiscent, like if you ever seen the old movie, The Warriors, uh, it's like a gang movie, like they're in New York and they're trying to get back. Like, like there's a big bat gathering of gangs and the Warriors are like this. I don't know what they did or whatever. I just know they're trying to get back to their home spot. And as they're trying to go from like wherever this big meeting was to like wherever they like their turf is, they have to go through and fight all these other gangs to get to this end spot. And that's what like John Wick four kind of reminded me of because once he like gets to Paris and sits down with the marquee, Spoiler alert. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> if you guys haven't figured this out. Uh, yeah. but <laughs> if you haven't figured out we're going to ruin movies for you by now, dude, you're slow. <laughs> but anyways, once he finally meets up with the marquee uh, to set terms, and then at, like, and the night 
time begins to where he has to be at the church uh, by dawn. That was totally totally reminiscent of uh, the Warriors because like in that old, in that old I think it's a seventies movie. Like you hear like a radio broadcaster talking about like the Warriors are in different areas of New York, and each gang from that area goes and attacks the Warriors. Same thing kind of happens here in uh, John Wick, but more of a John Wick fashion, which obviously is more up to date and like way cooler in my opinion. And uh, the ending. Ah, wow. You know, the ending, the way they did it is good. Like, uh, you could see, like, how uh, it could, like, if they weren't going to redo in episode five, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this uh, a little bit later, maybe, maybe not, I'm not sure. But if they if they decided not to do an episode five or chapter five, uh, it, it gives you an ending that, yeah, John Wick's dead. Um, but they leave the door open just enough to where maybe it's just it's played off as he is dead and he's really not dead because there are some things that I saw in the movie too uh, and even though we listened to the uh, to a um, an interview of the director right before we started but um, you do see the dog kind of look off to the side and the way Winston answers um, Larry Fishburne's character I forget what his name is the I just know him as the king yes he is the king basically uh but the way he answers them is very uh a lot of ambiguity into his answer because the uh Larry Fishburne character asks like do you think he went to heaven or hell and he's like who knows where he went basically and uh so I think that was kind of a leaves the door open and and uh hopefully they do come back with chapter five because even though like it gives you an ending and it has a little bit of ambiguity to that ending so you can kind of think whatever you want to think like is John Wick the assassin dead but John the husband is still alive is that still there uh, or is like John the husband is dead and that's why on the on the tombstone it says uh john wick the loving husband and john wick the assassin still lives i don't know jonathan yeah <laughs> and i you know and the, the other things i like to use i like the whole japanese scene i thought the jap the jap the daughter of the japanese uh uh continental manager i thought she was super hot uh, i just throw that in there um rena Sadayama. Yeah. Something her. like that. Nailed it, right? <laughs> Akira. That's all we need to know. She, her actress's cast character name, Akira. But uh, I really do. I did enjoy the movie. It's probably not my favorite John Wick movie. But I think there's some kind of, some really great parts. The one thing I kind of had an issue with a little bit was the, uh, I guess, the antagonist, I guess, it would be the, uh, I guess, the top antagonist would be the marquee mm -hmm. but i guess like the step below which being the blind guy uh which is kane i i really don't i really didn't dig him as a as a guy to, to go up against john wick because i donnie yen playing kane yeah I, I just don't like for me for some of the things that he does as a blind guy i'm like maybe blind people have like some stuff that i don't i just don't see how he did some of the stuff I guess if you kind of go like more down like Daredevil type of avenue, sure. But uh, I think uh, they probably could have found a, a different bad guy. But overall, the character wasn't 
that off-putting. I mean, still entertaining. <laughs> and, you know, you can tell, like, him and John were, were friends at one time and maybe still still friends or just in a shitty situation. <laughs> That's a very shitty situation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for myself, did it start the way I expected it to? You know, you can't say you expected John Wick to start any way other than high octane. And it did start, albeit in a desert on horseback, high octane, <laughs> with John chasing, going after the elder in search of one thing. And that was his ring, but also... I think to send a message and at the beginning of each of these movies, there is a message that is sent. There is a message that is received or communicated. And so it did start the way I expected it to, which is someone starting something that's going to cause a large ripple and a tidal wave will come in for you. So along the middle of the movie, man, this movie did not seem like it was Three two hours. hours and 49 minutes long. Three hours. Three hours. Two hours, 49 minutes long seemed like less than two hours if you're asking me. I agree. It was action-packed, and my initial thought was, okay, so they definitely just cut a bunch of crud out, made a two movies into one, something had to have happened with COVID or something else, but as your research proved, that wasn't the case at all. Um, what happened was they had some extra time, and they filmed it as they ultimately decided it was right to do. Now, with that, the one thing I do believe that the director... Uh, Chad Stalhensky, Stalhensky, sure, nailed it. Chad um, and Keanu Reeves did well. Keanu Reeves is that they did leave it like an old author's tale, like a Hemingway poem, short story, or a book, which is they leave some ambiguity and some questions for your own imagination to fill and that uh, that audio uh clip that you had he really spoke to that and the more that resonates with within my thought process i love it and i think that that's fantastic the way it ends is not the way at all i went into this movie the first time expecting it to end however it it really wasn't off-putting um and you already kind of started going into characters so i'll mention a couple characters and then we'll we'll continue with that and one of the things that i actually thought was fantastic was uh, was kane's character played by donnie and i thought he was a fantastic character as being someone coming after john wick with a similar skill set, albeit he believed me blind. <laughs> so I, I agree, like his the way he acted, the way the character was, I think he was a great character. I just have a hard time believing like a blind person could do some of these things. Hey man, I've seen blind people read faster than people who have eyes, so nothing yeah, surprising. It's possible. Yeah. I just say like it's just like you have to be a little bit like, you know, like I you have to to me you have to bring a little bit of daredevil daredevil into it. Um which you brought up. Yeah, with his character, I think there are a couple points, key points here to me um, when I think about his characters and uh, Kane's interactions with Wick 
there are the pieces, especially towards the end, when John Wick is kicked down 222 stairs and has to go back up with basically three minutes to go. And Kane looks at him and says, John, I need you to get up and get to the top of those stairs. And it's interesting because I'm not saying John abides, but John hears it. And he does it. And Kane helps him the whole way. They work together, which absolutely also can be another tangent somewhere down a John Wick movie going experience. Uh, but it was fantastic the way the two played uh, uh, opposite, but also with one another. Well, I think right there, I think this kind of comes into play when. Kane and the manager from the Osaka Continental, when they talk about friendship, and the manager from uh, the Osaka uh, Continental told Kane, it doesn't take a blind man to know what is the correct path. And he also mentions to Kane about you once knew what friendship meant, and uh, you don't have to have like a marker. Uh, or you don't have to be, uh, you, you know, you don't necessarily need to have like a, uh, I guess like a contract, you know, to say that uh, you have a debt to a friend. And so he was, he was really putting that emphasis on uh, being a friend. And I think this is a really good thing here too that I have to point out about the manager is that friendship is easy when times are good. And because and, like John had apologized to him for showing up there, knowing that would cause him trouble. And, and I think that's a great point, though, because a lot of times, you know, are, are you a sunshine? Are you like a summertime friend where you're just like you're just there for the good times? Or are you going to be a friend, like a true friend that will be there all the time? And sometimes, you know, I think people might lose their way. But I think if you kind of like uh, think about that, I think that's a great meeting in this movie because I, I think – Coming to the part that you're talking about where Kane helps John go up those stairs, they were friends at one point because that gets told somewhere in there. And I think they knew that they needed their friendship in order to get out of this crappy situation that they were both in. Yes, and I that's probably my favorite quote of the movie is the one you're speaking to. Friendship means a little when it's convenient. <laughs> I messed it up, but I had it to do. No, no, I, I think but. it is dynamic in the fact that it is true. In other words, you don't build friends and friendship because of convenience. You build friendship because of the difficult times that you have been through when you helped each other up. 222 stairs after you'd been kicked down and you're literally wondering how... Do I keep going? <laughs> so I think this brings up, a, now that we're talking about friendship, and I, have, I, I was thinking about this, and I'm not really sure what the true answer here is, because the manager of Osaka, Continental, gave a true gift to John yes. by allowing him to be there, and he also, like, he gave John probably the ultimate gift, which was death. Like, I mean, he, like, yeah, he did it to like help protect his daughter, but he, it was also because of like John as well. So that's what I'm saying. He kind of gave like the ultimate gift. Um, then the daughter, like especially we talk about uh, Asian culture, there's a lot of honor involved. 
and uh, Kane, who had lost his way or lost a friendship uh, and didn't see the right path, I guess, maybe around that time. Not that he didn't try to give an out, because he did. He he said, I didn't want to do this. And he's like, don't keep fighting me. I don't want to kill you type of thing. But the other guy, bound by honor, had to keep fighting. But in any case, the daughter goes and sees John Wick and says, either you kill him or I kill him. So fast forwarded to Kane helping John, and they're both needing each other and going falling back basically onto the friendship and him falling back onto the right path, talking about Kane. John, at this point, he's almost like honor-bound to not avenge the death because of what Kane did for him. So it's almost like John is like in a lose-lose situation here. Like, do you are you honor-bound to still kill Kane because of your of the of the manager from Osaka Continental, or are you honor-bound to help uh, Kane and uh, have him survive and gain his freedom because he helped you uh, get your goal. I, it's kind of a, it's a conundrum there. I don't know what the right answer would be. Well, throw another tangent into that twist in the fact that at the end, John Wick looks Kane dead in the eyes and honestly says, you owe me one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which he does. Well, especially after that tragic turn of events. <laughs> so I don't know. What, what I mean, I don't know how how one would choose to do. Like, do, do you kill him or do you leave it to her? Because also, because you know, she's going to hold it against you too later on. I, uh, you know, when it comes to certain people, he can't. I'm not even going to guess what happens there. But I will say, throughout the entire film, there is an underlying significance to friend so you have ian mcshane who plays winston or winston scott the manager uh, of the new york continental and when it comes time to put a message on a tombstone for charon um, his concierge from the new york continental it is simply one word and that word was friend. Was it written in, was it written in Latin? You know, I didn't even look. I after he had mentioned it, I, I just assumed but I thought it was English. From what I remember, I think it was just English friend. Okay, because I like looking at that, like when I saw it the second time, I may have to go see it a third time now. I'm definitely seeing it. Dude, you saw Shazam three times. You better see John Wick Ford three times. <laughs> JW4, man, get it right. W, yeah, JW4. Because uh, I thought on the tombstone that he was standing by, it looked like it was uh, Latin, but I, I couldn't really tell for sure. Maybe I just wasn't reading it right. Maybe, you know. You might be reading it completely right because there is significance to Latin with meanings and future well, and being part significance. Of, like, and being part of this whole, like, uh, world john wick rule i think there's a lot of meaning like there's a lot of things having to do with like latin and stuff in there any case not really sure um but you you're right i think there's that uh, that tone of uh underlying tone of friendship as well as like what consequences and uh and well, you know, the one other potential significance of Sharon, um, the concierge's name, is that is the name of the ferryman to the underworld. Ooh. I didn't pick that up. 
<laughs> but uh, I, I would have to do further research. I couldn't pull up anything super quick as far as the tombstone. But from what I remember, I, I think it's just English for friend. But you never know. Loving husband. That was definitely English because it was next to yeah. loving wife. <laughs> I think uh, another cool thing to do probably, and uh, I'll have, you know, we'll probably have to wait until it goes on to Blu-ray or uh, digital format. Pause. Yeah, is pause it. But as he's going up the stairs and see what, what see what each one of those stairs say. Yes, I was looking at all of that, and I'm assuming it's in French because it takes place by a French uh, church. But I have no idea about. I thought that was, no, that's where you met Winston. Oh well, there's messages on the the steps up the 222 steps up the French church to the oh, church too. I that. <laughs> but yes, I know what you're talking about now. Up to the burial site, yeah. Wasn't weren't those? Was that Latin? I think that was Latin for sure. Um, okay. Because it was not. I remember trying to read it, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know Latin. <laughs> and I'm assuming it was Latin. I don't know that it was Latin because I can't read it. <laughs> And if I could, I wouldn't tell. I'm sure that it has to have meaning because, like, why would you film that? It doesn't have some kind of meaning there. So hopefully. Especially since they had shoveled off those steps. But then once you got to the top and there was no more meaning, snow. So hopefully some nerdy dude out there will figure that out and put it on a website somewhere. We can look it up. It's a good research project. (laughs) Point to learn land. Some nerdy guy out there in uh, the internet world. Uh, Please do that. I got it, Noah. (laughs) Next on Scotch Hour, Nerdy Guy and John Wick 4 Step Message. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, you've mentioned some of the different characters. What were some of the other feelings, just general feelings you had during John Wick 4 about John Wick? It really seemed like you know <laughs> I'm still in I've got inner turmoil still trying to figure this out for myself. It really there's scenes where I think you look at John Wick and even though like we don't live in that kind of world, we're not, you know, we're not assassins or super badass killers or whatever. And speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> but I think there's some things you can relate to as far as like what, what you, you know, what you go through with, uh, in life as far as like, uh, when you do like, con- like I forget what the terms that they use. I forget what the other word, but there's like, when you do something and you get the, and you get the consequences of it, I think that plays out very much in that. And then friendship as well. And I think you see the inner turmoil going on with him about how he feels about having to go up against a friend who's now a foe, who now you have to later on rely on as a friend again uh, to get out of a bad situation. And also you see him like realize that sometimes when you do things, what's the end game? Like, what are you, why are you doing whatever you're doing? Like, have you thought about like four steps ahead? Like what, when you do this, what's, what's after that? And you kind of see John Wick go like, uh, when he's talking to Winston, Winston's like, so once you kill this person, what are you going to do next? So like, what then? You're like, cause they're going to just keep coming at you. Cause they're just going to put a new person in place. And you can see all of a sudden like John Wick going like, 
Yeah, I didn't really think about that. Until then, but then afterwards you see the play with Winston and the end tombstone. Yeah. Loving husband. So, you know, and it's kind of weird, like, uh, with Winston and him, you kind of see him kind of like, you always have an angle, and Winston's like, yeah, doesn't everyone have an angle? And I think that kind of teaches, I think that kind of, like, shows in reality, too. Like, everyone has an angle no matter what, no matter who they are. Like, you know, like, do you have an end game? What's your angle? And and, uh, even your even friends have angles, I guess. But I think at the same point, at the same time, like some, some friends don't usually don't always have an angle, but they are there for more advice, maybe kind of like what like the Osaka manager. So I will say, in my perspective, um, friends should have an angle. The difference is whether or not you trust that person enough to know that their angle isn't intended to go against yours and that is what friendship is about it's you're not on the same path you're taking different forks around the road all along the way however whether or not you make it to the same destination you never go out of your way intentionally to put a wall in front of that other person and and that is part friendship is that piece of hey this was i was never trying to cock block you bro (laughs) it just happened you know whatever it may be just one terrible example by the way not that john wick ever gets cock blocked (laughs) no but i think uh but having a good friendship and knowing about like those different angles i think that also kind of comes into play with uh him and kane like yeah he's like Kane's like, yeah, I had to do this because of family. He's like, yeah, family. Trust. Again, when I say trust, that isn't trusting that they have your best intention at the front of their mind. That would be dishonest to them and And, yourself. And what they do, though, have is the trust that, hey, we know we've been honest to a terrible degree of, John, if I get a chance to kill you, I will. And Kane, yeah, if I have to kill you to get to where I'm going, I will. They both know this and they both trust each other implicitly based on neither of them are lying. I'm not going to hurt you. Just come over here, little fly. See, I think because of like that, that trust and that friendship, I think right when John near the end says, well, what if there's a way basically to where you don't have to worry about your daughter and you don't have to kill me and I don't have to kill you. Like he doesn't actually spelled out that way he just says like well what if there's a another way yeah and i think that's where that trust comes into play that that basis of uh having a trust of the friendship and knowing each other's angles of like like what situations they're in like they don't they don't necessarily want to kill each other but they know like the situation poses like to where they have to kill each other but john has thought about it, like well there might be another way we could get through this and uh, i think they don't really show it. And I don't know if they actually really talk about it or maybe they like maybe in their friendship a long time ago, they might have talked about how, if we ever get into a situation like this, how could we get out of it? Because it seems really weird that they have that saying right there when they get to like 10 paces away from each other about talking about like a person who, uh, was it something about those who chase life, find death death, and those who chase death, find life. Which also is a very good. Those are also no, good there's there were many good quotes uh, because there there's a lot of truth to that because those who cling on to life uh, find death because if you all if all you're doing is like trying to just do whatever you can to 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 survive or to live, 
you won't experience life. And you you, you right. do. You find death. Uh, whereas those who've accepted death, like death is coming, they uh, you you see this all the time where people have like near death experiences, and all of a sudden like their their lives flourish after that because like life is precious. I don't know when you know. And I think that to your previous, one of your many previous points was uh, John Wick is literally letting him know at that point, hey, take a second, literally one second, think about this. I have to find death to find peace to get life. And you are seeking this life, but have to give death to get peace and therefore life and ultimately it plays out exactly as anticipated in that they're both taking life so to speak and giving death or experiencing the opposite to get to a real destination for themselves and for not yeah and you know another moral dilemma that or not really i guess uh maybe for the character is mr nobody Dude, Mr. Nobody is great as far as he is just a tracker. <laughs> and I can only think that he is a, again, I, I you got to wonder where he gets this notebook, right? Yeah, you do. And the only thing I can think of based on the dog and the dog's markings is that he is, uh, the actress's name is Hal Berry from part three. Do you think it's her son? I don't know if it's her son or her protege, but I think he absolutely is in one way or another related to her. And that is her notebook. That's a good point. I thought about that too. And, uh, cause like the dog does, I think the dog, it has those markings. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, but for him, cause he is tracking John. And, uh, I think the issue here with him is like he gets to a point where it's like a moral judgment call too as you save my dog do i still kill you for the money or do i kill this other guy and let you go well again what am i seeking am i seeking life and i'm going to find death or am i seeking death to get life and at the end of the day i thought it was over <laughs> exaggerated overplayed if you will when he kills the one guy and, and the, the dog. dog i thought i thought that was hilarious. i think i think that's hilarious. like we'll tell, tell the movie the audience laughed at that part so i think it's funny dude i will say for as violent as jw4 is i have not heard an audience laugh as hard as they have in that theater with that much death blood and gore as i did in that audience the audience loved it and um i have heard that the uh, ama asked me anything that keena reeves did for john wick four is the first one to beat and shatter the records that previously obama Barack Obama had say that name here. Which one? Barack? That one. Or the other one? <laughs> Pick a guy, any guy, Mr. or Mrs. Obama. <laughs> you gotta say that. <laughs> it's just, it is an interesting thing that it was questionable whether or not this movie, which did, I believe it was 78 million opening weekend, definitely biggest for John Wick openings. Uh, how did anyone think it wasn't going to 
go big. Well, you know, I think you and I kind of talked about this too. Uh, well, where was the advertising for this movie? They spent no money on it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, we should probably bring this up too. Uh, and uh, originally this was greenlit to do back-to-back filmings of uh, four and five. But uh, when COVID happened, uh, as the director said, they gave them more time to think about stuff. And they just extended and shot a longer four. And then they uh, put five up on the shelf. Uh, now, after uh, this this box office weekend having great numbers, uh, the studio says that uh, five is back is back on. Uh, but when you listen to the director, he's like, "Well, maybe not." Like, and it kind of depends on like you know if we can come up with a good storyline and if Keanu Reeves wants to come back and do and do another one. Yeah, he's like, Keanu and I are on vacation. We're taking some time off. (laughs) Which, uh, if you've done any kind of research or any other uh, articles out there, uh, it it seems kind of be, it seems to hold true because there's been other articles where it talks about like they're not going to make any decisions until after premieres in Japan, which for some odd reason, uh, from some articles I read, says that they're not going to get the movie until like September. Which is crazy because Russia's already gotten it. Yeah. I don't know if I really believe that article or not, but it does make sense that the, that they would want to take time to step away and do some other uh, projects and then come back and see if they can't put together a uh, another great story, which I think there's still a lot to tell about this world, you know, whether it is with John Wick or uh, I like to explore maybe uh, Mr. Nobody a little bit more as well as the uh, Akira uh, because you don't, just show an end credit scene for no reason. There's got to be a reason for their other, and you, and you don't cut it off where they cut it off where Akira is approaching Kane, Kane and you don't know whether or not he killed, she kills him or he kills her. Or if John Wick or, steps in between. Or yeah, or yeah, exactly. Because it, it, that's what I'm saying. Like it leaves a door open. Like there has to be something other than that, other than this. And then we already know that there's going to be a ballerina spinoff. Uh, and then there's going to be a spinoff, the continental, which is going to be on Peacock, I believe. Which Takes is going to be in the seventies. Yeah. Young Winston. Yes. And, uh, there was something else I wanted to mention, but Oh, well forget. Well, one of the things also to take note with this movie is their character, intentional character, ultimately development and emphasis right down to the bad guy in Germany, where he's this big guy, <laughs> big German guy, like in the Batman movies where all of a sudden you've got a giant guy with gold teeth with this, a funny accent and slick back hair and his inhaler. And the guy only dies when he falls three stories and literally cracks his skull open. Um, you have Winston with makeup where he was pretty natural in the previous Films and all of a sudden you see his emphasized under eye white eyeliner um, to really make him look, I want to say, less human, more something else. Um, John Wick, for the first time, looking human. And I think that was absolutely intentional. And you pointed out Kane, a blind man, keeping up with John Wick. How can this happen? And that is one of my bigger questions is, how do we get to this point where the unstoppable Mr. Wick is seemingly average? 
And the only thing at this point, which is wonderful, is he does actually play smarter and not harder to win the end game. That's true. And I think another thing that would be kind of interesting to see in this uh, in this world is the other 12 families. I think we've only really been introduced to one family, which is John Wick's family, and possibly two, which is the Marquis family. Uh, or And three, because he had the Italian family uh, from John Wick 2. Yes. And I think it's interesting, at the very end, also, you see Winston's tattoo, which happens to be the same insignia as the... Uh, the family that John Wick is a part of. Something Roma? I forget. Or I don't know what they're called. Something. So my eye keeps twitching, so I'm kind of like fighting tears. <laughs> so what's John Wick going on? <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting, and you mentioned that. Scott Adkins, who plays Killa Harkin, the uh, femme fatale head of the German table. Uh, still trying to figure that one out, partially because I don't understand her name. <laughs> 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 but why aren't it, they supposed to be Bosnian? Because she said that like in like their crest when they're like getting ready to burn their crest on, say that he's a child of uh, Bosnia or something like that. I'll, like I'll take it. I just I'm curious even what the other tables are. Yeah. To your point, like let's develop there, and then why you know ultimately where does if he continues where does John Wick go? I don't know. Like if it. it what would be like an acceptable inning for John Wick for you? Is it death? So is it, is it like riding off into the sunset? So it? it's funny because you think about that end quote, and if he fakes his death, he ultimately potentially finds life. Now you have another truth that has followed John Wick his entire life as we know it, which is this is a life he has not been able to escape. And we are who we are. And one of the lifelong challenges, questions, comments is people can change. People can't change. Can people change who they are at the core? And we all want to say that they can. But if that was the case, when John Wick's wife had died and John Wick's dog had been killed and John Wick was left near dead and beaten if he wasn't the same person he was at the core and always going to be, he would have walked away then. And so if there is a John Wick 5, he is once again faced with, he is who he is, and he's confronted by a challenge that hits him at the core, and he does not walk away once again. He goes to the, the quick. He goes to the center of that candle. Well, I would think that's true because, like, once again, when you look at his tombstone, it says John Wick, loving husband. So I think John, the loving husband, is dead. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. You never know. Maybe John Wick 5 is him over there in some Japanese little sand garden where he's just <laughs> raking sand and saying, be gone, evil. In a way... <laughs> In a way, oh, I like shit. to see him tie back into a Continental takeover, like maybe the New York Continental, and replace Winston. See, you've mentioned that. I want to see him take over one, if not all, of the chairs at the high table. I, I mean, that would be another cool like ending where he like wipes out the high table. But as we were talking about during our interesting dinner uh, at Sahara, <laughs> Sahara, uh, 
where I really would see him coming back is in the ironic tragedy that now there is another evil out there so big and strong that he has to work with the high table to end them for the better of humanity or someone's daughter. Akira. Akira. Who... You know, I'm pretty sure Mr. Nobody and Akira are going to be in the next movie. I hope so, but John Wick owes Akira. He does. Because that debt was passed down from the father to John Wick. And he owed the father. Now he owns Akira. Yep. All right. Any last words you have on John Wick Chapter 4? I don't. I, we could probably literally go on for a week nonstop talking about the different prospects, future potentials of this movie. It was delightful. However, it, for the first time. Go maybe, see it. Yeah, go see it three <laughs> Sorry, times. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Go see it three times um, and realize that for the first time for me, I saw a man that was mortal. And that was interesting since I'm no longer 21. You know, I'm like 25 now since we're no longer 21. And uh, you get a couple years older and seeing him become mortal, it's like what ultimately comes of all of us. And this is a reality that we all must face and what word does he ever find peace i think that's a good thing peace like, it is it is because there's that question i asked him are, are you at peace now it is the one thing that everyone that is wise seeks it's not combat it's not money it's not riches it is not uh, the ultimate vacation it is peace and what comes with that sometimes means war true all right uh next week's uh scotch next week noah has selected for us the total bag single malt scotch whiskey this is a 2017 legacy series from the isle of sky all right and next week's uh smarter challenge we'll just keep up with the movie reviews i guess <laughs> And we'll do Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I, I, I'm glad you said that because if you shot Sajam one more time, I was going to have an, a situation. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I'm sure it's fantastic. I mean, the first one was. We might as well just like uh, get get the use out of our AMC um, A lister uh, memberships and uh, you know do another movie review and uh, spit it out for you guys and see uh, if it is uh, a fun ride as it appears to me. It looks like a fun ride. Chris Pine, when he's being Chris Pine, is yeah. hilarious. Exactly. He's the man. I wish I was 30 years ago when I was like five <laughs> years old because he's like acts like an infant. Had <laughs> <laughs> to be paid to do it, millions of dollars. God damn, what a lucky guy. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, for all of you who uh, stayed with us throughout this movie review and Scotch review and uh, restaurant review, we thank you for watching us. Uh, thank you for all the, all of you who watch us on YouTube and Rumble and listen to us on all the different audio, audio audible platforms. Uh, we greatly appreciate you, and I'll pass along to you, Jesse. All right, please remember to drink responsibly, even when you drink a lot. And part of that is do not drink and drive. Remember, there are plenty of 
parents out there, mothers and fathers, and the last thing you want to do is not drink responsibly and have someone come John Wick after your ass because that will be an end game. So drink responsibly. Please continue to give us feedback. Anyone who has given us feedback has noticed we've used it. We use the point scale. We're doing some different things. We will continue to do so. So please tell us what you want uh, because part of what we are trying to do is really make you guys have a better experience because it's also fun for us. Exactly. We like to win. All right. Life is great. And Scotchman! We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a Patreon member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.